Music, news, entertainment, it's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with Australian singer-songwriter Tones and I, whose hit song Dance Monkey went to number one in over 30 countries around the world. She has lots to say, like talking about meeting her idol, Macklemore, why she misses busking so much, and what gift she gave to herself when her career started to take off. We also chat with Canadian songwriter and rising pop artist Mike Ruby, who has released his debut EP called You Wrote These Songs. And our music editor Sharon Hyland pops in to talk about Mariah Carey releasing her memoir The Meaning of Mariah and latest album The Rarities. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. Click on kellyalexandershow.com. Joining us is Australian singer-songwriter and international pop star Tones and I, whose song Dance Monkey went to number one in over 30 countries around the world and spent six months at number one in her home country of Australia. Tones and I, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for doing this. All of us here in Montreal love you so much, and congratulations on all the success of Dance Monkey. Thank you. That's really nice. Being an artist, do you think that was the only career path for you in life? Like that this was written in the stars? Well, um, I mean, I used to, every time I saw a live performance my whole life, when, no matter where it was, I used to always cry. And I couldn't help it because I like, couldn't help but know that that's what I wanted to do in life. And I was so scared that I'd never get to do it, that I would cry at every live show. And it wasn't until I finally got to play shows like that that I've now officially can watch a show without crying super sad I know oh my god that's amazing can you tell me some of the shows that like made you cry or some artists growing up that totally influenced you and are still important to you right now well here's a random thing the first show that I ever went to that made me cry is the first show I live show I ever saw and it was Snoop Dogg and it was like, so what? We get drunk. And I'm in the crowd like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like I'm crying in the crowd. And I think like in terms of artists that I really love, I would say I think that Macklemore really, for me personally, inspires me because I think that he's so passionate the way that he raps and the way that he is. And, and I've always like been able to... No matter what song it is of his, I don't know if it's his voice or the way he speaks. I don't know what it is, but it's something about his voice that always just makes me drift away. I understand that you've already met with him and worked with him. So can you tell us what that's like meeting, like for lack of a better word, your idol? Oh, my God. It was really hard because like it's something I never, ever thought that I would ever get to do. And I thought he'd always be someone that I just looked up to. And then when I met him, I was so crossed between wanting to let him know how much, you know, how much I loved him and I loved his music and respected him, but also like wanted to keep, wanted to get respect in return because I wanted to work with him. Like that would have been such a huge dream of mine. So I was like, I don't want him to think, oh, we've we've worked with this girl. She's going to be really uncomfortable in the studio, like such a big fan. So I was like, I had to obviously be upfront and honest and be like, look, you're my favorite artist and I, I love you, but also like, okay, you've told him now, just talk normally because I want to be able to work with him one day without him thinking I'm a freak. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I know that you are a prolific songwriter because I love what you write. I think it's amazing how you put things together. So I wanted to ask you, when you have your process of writing songs, does it start with a song title? Does it start with lyrics? Is it instruments? Like, how does it work for Tones and I? It's been kind of, I, I like to write like the verse down 
or the intro or the start of the song first before anything. I'll play around with bass and drums and I'll be like, oh, I love that. That's really cool. Um, and then I think to myself, like, if I was listening to this on like a CD player or a record player or something, someone just randomly put this record on and was like, oh, listen to this track and this is the intro that came in, what would I want, like, the the vocals to, like, what melody would I feel like, oh, that's satisfying. So then I think about that and I hum melodies over it and I'm like, I love that melody and then I'll be like, right. Then as soon as I have those two things, I sit down and I go, right, what do I want to write about? What What's on my mind today? And then I'll up like putting it all together your latest single that we just started playing on virgin montreal which is fantastic is you're so cool and i'm fascinated by this because i think it's amazing that you wrote about going to a party and people thinking they're so impressed with themselves and so was that something that just came to you and you're like i need to write about this yeah well we um went to the party and then the next day we were talking about it in the studio um and then i was like oh you know we should just write about it and then, like, the engineer's like, okay. And my friend was like, who was at the party, she's like, okay. And then I wrote the song and I was like, I'm probably not going to release this. Um, and then I was like, should I release this? And then I was like, I'm going to release it. Well, Is it was that really a, boring. You no, know, it's a good choice. It's a good choice because we love playing it. And I love the music video. And I wanted to ask you about that because... Like, I've watched a lot of your performances when you've been on Fallon, uh, a bunch of other performances that you've done over in Australia, uh, prepping for our interview. And I noticed, like, there's a level, not like all the time, but obviously I I know that you care about uh, your fans and and putting on a good performance for them. And so when I watched the You're So Cool video, it was so amazing to get you to, to see you play all these different characters. So is that fun for you, like freeing for you to be able to play different characters in music videos? Yeah, I mean... I was like, I'm going to play every single character in this film clip because I because I reckon I could do it. And, I, and it's hard for me, so I want to do it. And it's hard for me to do that stuff, believe it or not. Like, I'm not someone that's like an extrovert. And that's why I have to dress up and get all the latex. And when I feel like I'm someone else, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But as tones, as me, with nothing on, I, I can't get there. Like, you know, I really have to look like someone else to to be able to do that and to play six characters in one film clip like it was really really fun but the latex was not fun oh i'm sure i'm sure you were in makeup for like hours right yeah we did it over three days oh my goodness now i have to ask you about this because i love that you first of all have amazing music but that your style is not cookie cutter like you're not the next pop star ingenue that's you know 17 years old and is wearing nothing I love your style like I feel like you and Missy Elliott should hang out so like how do you describe your style and the importance of it with regards to who you are as an artist okay well first of all do you know her can you hook that up because I would bloody love to hang out with Missy Elliott she's a legend um and no I'm definitely not going for that pop look I don't own a pair of thigh-high boots and I don't intend to get any. And I'll probably just keep wearing what I feel comfortable in because if I don't feel comfortable, then I can't play a good show and run around and have fun. And that's the only reason I'm in the industry is because I want to play live. And that's why instead of uploading videos to YouTube, I went busking because I just wanted to play live music. I saw a post on your social media, I believe it was your Instagram account in the last couple of days, where you said you miss busking and you miss Byron Bay. What do you miss about it? Um, well, I just feel like I, it was really free. And also, like, I didn't know what was around the corner. So it felt like this is it. I'm living off my music. Um, I'm living in my car. 
and like I have my friends lived in tents and we go to the beach every day, have beers, skate, go surfing and I just play music and that's my full-time job and I was like, this is it, I've made it. I'm living off my music. I didn't ever care about the amount of money or anything. I had enough to pay for food and petrol and stuff. So, you know, I just felt so free. And, um, yeah, and I think that those days kind of came and went really quickly. Do you find there's a pressure on you now to be some sort of level of a role model, especially because in a way, and I say this just because I don't know how else to say it, you're kind of like the anti-pop star. And I just feel like so many people are attracted to you and, and your message. Like, you really remind me a lot of uh, Alessia Cara, our Canadian, uh, who's doing amazing things all across the planet now. I just find, like, like she... Oh, my God, I love her. Oh, good. She's awesome. Okay, good. have you met her yet? No, I haven't met her. She's got an amazing voice. Oh, she's great. Well, I hope you meet her. I think you guys should do a duet. God, she's bloody phenomenal. <laughs> On that note, I have to ask you about this. When I think of Australia, because I've never been there... There's a certain, like, vis- visualization that I have in my head just because of the things that you think you know about that country. Do you have that about Canada? Like, do you visualize what we are? Like, do you think we hang out with polar bears all the time? Like, I'm just wondering, as an Australian, what you think Canada is. I think Canada is, like, a lot of greenery, mountain scenic, like, beautiful trees. I've never been to seen the snow, so, you know, it's hard for me to really picture... One time I saw a trending video of a moose in the middle of the road in Canada. Uh, so that has always stuck inside my mind. I did go to Vancouver for a night, which was not long enough at all. Um, and I was like, there was this massive, massive lake. And then over the other side of the lake, there was like these trees and stuff, this park. And oh, it was really nice. But honestly, like I have no idea. Honestly. <laughs> That's okay. I guess I hope you'll come to Montreal because we love you here so much and we cannot wait for you to get here once things calm down. Oh my God. I cannot wait. Seriously. Ugh. Talk about it every day. I just cannot bloody wait. My nine-year-old niece, her name is Alexia. She loves you. And so I said to her, I said, you know, I'm going to do an interview with Tones. And she said, can you ask her a question for me? And I said, okay. So she wants me to ask you this. So this is from nine-year-old Alexia. She goes, how does it feel to know that your song Dance Monkey has inspired so many people right across the world? Oh my God, she's very smart, isn't she? She's a rock star. That's I love her. That's a big question for a nine <laughs> um, Probably makes me feel like, I mean, on top of the world. I mean, I was living in my car a year ago, or my van. So I think that, you know, it's a, <clears throat> I think we've the world has supported me. Um, and I think that, that they've inspired me, really, um, to keep going and that showing me that I'm on the right path and, and I can do this and this is definitely where I'm meant to be and that's what I've taken from it. So if I've inspired all these people as much as they've inspired me, then, you know, I think that it's definitely a 50-50 with both of us here. We've, so I'm thankful and I'm glad to know that people are thankful for my music um, and I'll forever be thankful for them. And Also tell her I say hello. I will definitely do that. She's going to freak out. She literally loves you so much. Um, I know we're almost out of time. I did want to end off by just asking you a few quick questions uh, for your fans here in Montreal. Have you bought yourself something fun or outrageous since things have taken off in your career? Like, have you done something wild and bought yourself a Lamborghini? No, no I got some new uh, keyboards, um, though. That's good. Which pop artist would you like to be stuck in an elevator with? Macklemore. 
if you were in a super group, you and two other people, who would those two other artists be? Oh, God, I'd love to work with Kanye. He's awesome. Um, and probably I'd like to work with Khalid. Oh, that's amazing. That would be so cool. And apart from your family and friends, who's the coolest person in your phone that you can call or text? <laughs> Macklemore or Khalid. <laughs> ah, there we go. That's amazing. Uh, before I let you go, can you just uh, send a message to your Montreal fans? Do you, do you have something to say to them? Um, hey, guys. Uh, thanks so much for holding out on me and supporting my new single. I'm going to come back and when this is over and we're going to have a really good time and then have some beers. Love you all so much, uh, honestly. I appreciate you, Tones. Thank you so much. It's really been a joy to speak to you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Stay safe. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show now is our music editor, Sharon Highland. Hello, Sharon. Hey, Kel, how are you? Fantastic. And we have lots to talk about about uh, one of our favorite ladies, who you and I love so much, Mariah Carey, and who is beloved around the world. She recently dropped her, um, I guess we'll call it, I think it's her eighth compilation album is what they're calling it, so the rarities. And then she also had that coincide with the release of her first ever memoir, The Meaning of Mariah Carey. So lots to talk about. Um, I guess before mm-hmm. we start, I will ask you why you love Mariah Carey so much. Um, I've always just appreciated her voice. Uh, her songwriting is solid. Uh, we've talked about it on our show. The, uh, all I want for Christmas is you as, uh, the power of that Christmas song. I just, it's so impressive that, that, uh, you know, that she wrote that, that it's so enduring. And I think it's a reflection of, of what she's always brought to her music. And I think that as, you know, even when she got into her, um, maybe more diva like behavior, the music was always good, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that the most. It's funny because I've started to read the book, and you know that I've started to read the book. I haven't had a chance to get too far in, but um, the fact that you actually brought up the hit Christmas tune, she talks a little bit about I'm sure she's going to talk more about it later on, but in in the book where I've gotten to so far, it sounds like that song initially came from a place where she hoped Christmas would be this way for her because Mm -hmm. she didn't have the best Christmases growing up. I think some years were better than others, but it sounded like she had a fairly chaotic relationship with her two siblings and her dad wasn't always there for her. And then her mom, I think, was probably overwhelmed a little bit with everything. So it just sounds like the relationships were all over the place. And it, it feels like that song is something she wished for everybody to have, including herself. Uh, yeah, I uh, I can see that. And you know when uh, songwriters talk about their process, uh, and often they'll say how, how it's easier, you know, the sad ones are easier to write, the sad songs are easier to write, mm-hmm. um, or you're more inspired in that kind of reflective tone or space in your life. And then when things are happy, it's harder to write a happy song uh, about yourself. If you make it about somebody else, then it's probably, um, it, it's easier for them. So for her to sort of forecast what it could have been, what she hoped it would be, and make that sort of a general uh, stroke, I think that she totally hit the mark on that because, man, who doesn't want to hear that song? I want to hear it now. It's not even Christmas. <laughs> Actually, I have to do a quick sidebar. Have you heard that Dolly Parton and Jimmy Fallon have covered that song? Oh, fun. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to send you the link because I'm using it actually for a segment that I do on one of the radio stations that we work for. And uh, yeah, so it was like Super Country, Dolly Parton. It's her first Christmas album, I think, in 30 years. And so she's... Her last one was... Is the last one with Kenny Rogers? 
Maybe. I don't know. But she said something about 30 years. That's a good one. 30 years. And uh, she has lots of collaborations on there. I think even Miley Cyrus might be in another song. But this particular one, they cover uh, Mariah Carey. And it's it's really like, it's fun. And it's fun to actually hear Jimmy uh, Fallon um, sing on key. You know what I mean? Because he knows how to do it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes he obviously does the self-deprecating stuff. So (laughs) it's it's pretty cool. (laughs) That's so fun. Yeah, super fun. So and I I hope Mariah, it's funny because Mariah has actually been tweeting a lot recently because, um, you know, the album and the the book have come out. So she's, you know, responding to fans and all that stuff. And I'm waiting now for her to respond or, you know, because I'm sure someone has has sent this to her already. So I'm I'm sure she'll have, have something to say about it. But, um, it's interesting, in, in, and I told you that I'd watched uh, the interview that she had done with Oprah Winfrey to sort of kick off all of this, and she mm-hmm. covered in that interview talking about her marriage to Tommy Mottola, and I think we heard the grapevine back in the 90s that it, you know, we didn't know all the details, but we knew it had gotten contentious, obviously, by the time it was over, but it's incredible how, um, you know, he really gave her her career in a way, but also held her back. Yeah, in a weird kind of way. And I think that there's that, um, I'm not sure if it's natural or to be expected. Their age difference was fairly significant. Um, and not that, not to say that relationships can't work when there's an age difference, but timing of life. He was 44, she was 23, something like that. I think so, yeah. She's young, she needed, you know, he would have had a tendency to parent her and... Um, and in a way that sort of kept her from doing things, which is scary. Uh, and exactly what you want to do when you're 23 is, uh, you know, flourish and, and do stuff. And so it's, it is kind of weird that at least on the surface, it seemed that, you know, she was being able to do those things, but clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> what I like, what I've read from her in interviews lately is that, um, uh, she's sort of implying that this will, you know, these interviews will be the last that she'll do <laughs> and make, make the book, the reference. Right. You know what? Like, I'm not going to need to inter I won't need to do interviews anymore because I'll just check the book. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> like true. That. But it's, it's funny too. in the fact that, um, because obviously it sounded like she really was and I, you know, I don't want to say held prisoner, but it, it kind of sounds like that in a way, like he really had her in lockdown at this big estate that they had. I believe it was in upstate New York, but the one thing that she maintains, and even though she went through this, uh, you know, trying time with him as her husband, she said he always believed in her musically, like, and she knew that he meant it. And so mm-hmm. I think that's why even to this day, like she doesn't really talk badly about him, even though, you know, it wasn't the best of situations being married to the guy, but career-wise, she seems like she really knew that he believed in her and knew that she could go far. It's like a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, because I guess he wouldn't have one without the other. Right. Yeah. And she had, I guess, some father issues too. I mean, her own father wasn't super present and maybe she found stability in an older man and, and then, you know, the messages get a little clouded. I'm not trying to get him off the hook if he was in fact, you know, keeping her back from, from leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't necessarily uh, safe. You know, she couldn't just go to the store, right? You know, <laughs> perhaps not, but maybe she could have, maybe she could, maybe that could have happened. Maybe it could have been a thing that she, yeah, I guess she just goes to the store and people would have just been okay with that. 
We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know, Kelly. But she talks in uh, the interview that she did with, I believe, again, was with Oprah, where she, or I read it in the book, it's one of the two, but she uh, she talks about how she went to this, uh, she was going to go to a performance, I think, in upstate New York, I think is, is where it was. And she was, you know, in the car, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, traffic kind of slows down, and I think she said to the driver, like, you know, are we stuck? Like, what's going on? And, and he said, well, everybody's freaking out because you're coming. And she's, she, that was like her first realization that she had fans because she, before that she was so sort of locked in her, I guess, process and doing things. And then again, uh, he kept her away from everybody. So she didn't really mm-hmm. realize that she actually had f- like fans fans, especially because this was before social media. So she said it was really interesting. And she said uh, in the Oprah interview that her fans have always understood her. And you can tell how much she loves her lamely, as she calls them. <laughs> <laughs> It's so better cute. than lamb cups, I guess. Yeah, exactly. But I love she's she's an artist who um, I really love how much she loves her fans. Like she you she genuinely and she actually said in the interview too that until her kids came along, her fans were her family. Like in 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 all the ways that counted for the most part. Hmm. That says a lot. I think it says a lot uh, about her actual family and her her upbringing. Yeah. Or her growing up. Exactly. Now, have you looking for something to make that fill that void? Have you had a chance yet to scope out the rarities album, like this compilation that she's put out? I haven't, but since we last talked about it, what I did listen to was a clip of that um, the rockier side that she was sort of exploring at that time, and I thought pretty awesome. And we talked about that on our show, Mm -hmm. '90s Now. Yep, '90s Now. Yeah. Just that. What what I appreciate is that, of course she would have different approaches to writing songs. It wouldn't necessarily just be to write the same style over and over again that, you know, for a creative person, I would think that that gets boring. What happens is that the uh, record companies are not super into you being different than what will make them successful. So I like that she did it anyways. I like that she was able to, you know, write something outside of what everybody knew her from and still record it just to satisfy her own curiosity. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, this album that she's put out, so it has 15 songs on it, like unreleased songs, B-sides, and as she calls them, rarities. And uh, there's also yeah. a 17-track bonus disc that they're putting in there called Live at the Tokyo Dome, which was recorded in March of 1996. And so you'll get to hear live versions of hit songs like Emotions, Fantasy, Always Be My Baby, Dream Lover, of course, and uh, Vision of Love. And even all I want for Christmas is you, which I think is great. And so it's awesome. And like, I I don't know how you feel when I just read through that list of hits and that's not even all of them. You know what I mean? Like it's incredible. Mm -hmm. The amount of hits she has. What do you think going forward for her is the best course of action, Sharon, with regards to like releasing new music? Cause I know it's, it's, there's so many people that always like, just keep going out with the hits and just do that. But she doesn't seem, and I don't think she should uh, not release new songs and could potentially still have other number ones. You know, uh, she's only 50 right so well exactly that's a healthy attitude only 50 and I think that if she stayed true to the to the the way she's done things which is you know continue to respect her own process and do what she does then I don't think she'll have like I don't think she's trying to break a new market I don't think she's trying to do anything outside of what she wants to do and whatever that is I think that her lamely will uh We'll follow right along. And if that gets new new fans along the way, then great. And I think that, you know, um, artists are in a pretty beneficial spot that, you know, you, you have a, a, a new song. They'll go and check your old stuff. 
you know, and even if they only know your old stuff, like, like for the diehard fans that just want to stay in that little zone of the nineties, let's say you, you might be curious to find something new because you would have faith in the artist that she is, that whatever she continued to do would be true to her, which is how she made that record that you liked in the first place. Right, exactly. And do you think that, because again, I forget how many, you know, hits she has, like, you know, that made it like to number one or top 10 or whatever. It's like over 19, I think it is. But um, you know how in like 2005, she came back, because I think people in 2001, after she had the blip where things didn't go well, and there was the mental health sort of situations going on and, and all that. And she did have terrible um, problems with sleep. So I think that all played into why she kind of had that mental um, situation oh, go yeah. on. But anyways, she comes back in 2005 with, like, We Belong Together, which was a monster hit for her, right? It was, like, mm-hmm. you know, number one for a gajillion years. Um, do you think she'll have that again with another song, with the genre of music that she I don't think it's out does? of the realm of possibility. Okay. Yeah. I think what will happen is that the onus will be on the listener. It always has been on, on the listener, on the fan, to make sure that they are finding and listening to um, what satisfies them, not necessarily just trusting radio or just trusting, you know, video channels um, and what they determine is the song that you like. Right. I think that if she releases a hit and you like another song on the album, great. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it, I, I just hope that she's not treated the same way as Madonna has been. Right. Cause I think Madonna continues to make great music, mm-hmm. but I think that she's, she's slammed, with well what is what does she think she's doing making music at this age it's ridiculous she's an artist she makes music so it doesn't matter how old she is she's doing it because she's satisfying her creative um uh, needs and and the need to release that so i hope that mariah carey will just continue to keep on keeping on like she always does perfect um well i appreciate your time sharon thank you very much Kelly, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. That is our music editor, Sharon Highland. And again, you can follow us on the other podcast that we work on together, which is 90s Now. So you go to 90snow.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Canadian songwriter and rising pop artist Mike Ruby. Mike got his career start as a saxophonist, but eventually decided to see what life was like behind the microphone. And it is working out, having accumulated over 5 million streams across all platforms from his first three singles alone. Mike is releasing his debut EP called You Wrote These Songs and is here to talk to us all about it. Mike, welcome back to the Kelly Alexander Show. It's great to be back, Kelly. How are you doing? I am fantastic. First of all, you and I were sort of chatting just before I hit the record button that it's been like just over a year since you and I last spoke. And so, and you happened to mention that a lot's been going on. So what has been the biggest thing going on for Mike Ruby apart from the global pandemic that all of us have been dealing with over the last uh, three or four months? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that uh, hopefully that that all of us face in our lifetime, at least. I hope so. Um, that's been a biggie. But uh, yeah, definitely, you know, a lot of changes since our talk. Um, when we spoke, I actually had never released a song before. I think I had like no followers <laughs> whatsoever um, and, you know, no fans. And I was just starting out. And um, now it's been basically like one entire year and, you know, the focus for the last year for me has been um, releasing these singles that have been leading up to an EP. And that EP is actually coming out a week Friday. It's called You Wrote These Songs. And, um, you know, that that pretty much has been my whole year has just been uh, performing, uh, surrounding those songs in the EP. And, of course, writing the songs, producing the songs and getting them out there. 
How difficult or not difficult, I suppose it could be, was it for you to pick the specific three songs that you've released? The singles? Um, it, you know, the first one just felt um, very much in character with the EP. And I think it's really important, you know, as a new artist to um, make sure that everything that you are releasing sounds a similar way so that people can start to get to know you. Um, so I, I really found that the first single I released called Close set the tone for the EP. So that one was pretty easy. Um, and then the subsequent singles after that uh, kind of all fall under, you know, the, the genre which I'm doing, which is, you know, the songs are very much in the singer-songwriter vein. The production is very much in the pop vein. So, um, you know, I've, I've been calling it pop singer-songwriter um, with some undertones of, you know, the jazz background that I have from, from being a musician in New York for all those years. What have you learned in the past year because of repetition, like meaning like you are, you know, you've, you've said you've done a bunch of dates and performances and I'm assuming, you know, each time you've learned something. So what have you learned, I guess, that's really stuck with you, whether it's with regards to how you're writing your songs and even how you carry yourself on stage uh, presenting yourself as well as the singing part, because there's like the, the performing part, but then there's also you interacting with the audience, which I think is an art in and of itself. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think it's just that experience really helps you know I, I think the most important thing about being um, an artist these days and I think it's been like this for a really long time has been being able to just kind of move on the fly on stage with the crowd so you know if <laughs> let's say uh, you know a huge light fixture falls or something in the middle of your set it doesn't hurt anybody but it's off to the side but if you're actually able to incorporate that into your set and make that you know part of the night because other people will see it um, and they're going to remember it. And if you can incorporate it into your set in like a kind of a magical way, then, you know, that's, you, you basically have a win. And what I've learned is, you know, when I was first starting out, I was thinking so much about the music and making sure that I was singing it right. And the band was playing the right notes. And I, I think actually that should be the thing you're focused on the least. You should make sure that that's super comfortable so that you can interact properly with the fans in the front row with what's happening in the venue and what's happening, you know, socially at the time, and, and really just to be present in the moment. I mean, almost like a, a conversation, I think it's really important in a performance. We talked last time about how you opened up for uh, a bunch of artists like Ellie Goulding and Charlie XCX, you know, Foster the People and Fun. And I'm just wondering, like, now, like a year later, looking back on those experiences, have you sort of reevaluated maybe what you saw each of those artists do and, and maybe even seen other artists and like picked up on some of their experience and, and again, taking sort of tips without maybe even chatting with these people. Um, I think, yeah, I think when we spoke, I had, I had mentioned that I picked up on so many of the, the things that they did on stage because they all have such a great stage presence. Uh, like literally all four of those that you named are amazing. Um, and Charlie XCX, uh, we were actually, she was opening for us uh, it was kind of like right on the verge of her blowing up. Um, and her stage presence was just crazy uh, even then, which was a few years ago now. Um, and, you know, I, I, would, I would say I, I still those lessons definitely hold true. And of all the new artists that I see perform, um, kind of the same thing. Uh, to be honest, one of the, one of the best performers uh, these days live, I believe, is Lizzo. I'm not sure if you've seen any of her live performances. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Or, or in person. Um, but she just has such a huge, like, bigger-than-life persona. Um, and I love that. But then you also have, like, the complete contradiction of Billie Eilish, who's just, like, 
so minimal. And I think that's, uh, you know, a really great approach too. So it's all about kind of finding what's true and authentic to you as a person so that you can connect with everybody else. Have you noticed that yourself, Mike, when you're on stage and even just with the songs that you're releasing, like, is it um, a struggle to sort of always remain authentic? Because I can even just say for myself as a radio announcer, like when I first started, it's easy to sort of pick up bad habits, like where you are, quote unquote, playing a radio announcer as opposed to being yourself. And so and it's like you kind of have to really stay firm in who you are and know that, no, I don't have to be this like. You can be amped. Like I always say when I'm on the air, it's just Kelly amped, but it's not like ridiculousness. And so for you, when you're performing and, and, and again, writing songs and all that, uh, has it been a struggle to just always stay in your, in your zone, if you will? Yeah, that's a, an awesome question. Uh, that's a question that comes from somebody who's really experienced at what they do, <laughs> like you. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're great at interviewing and you've, like you said, you've been doing it for so long. Um, and I have definitely, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time, um, before I was a musician, now I'm an artist. And, um, to be honest, I really just experienced that for the first time this year. And I experienced it the most in, um, interviews where people would, you know, let's say you have two or three interviews a day and you're on a 30 day tour and you're getting the exact same question time and time again. And, you know, you're just trying to um, not repeat yourself and, and be creative and like truly improvise in the moment, you know, and the second part of that question being on stage for me, I actually don't feel that way when I'm on stage for some reason, when I'm, when I'm playing music, even if it's the same song, it always feels very fresh. And if it's not, I'm going to bring some sort of, you know, I improvised way of singing or, or playing a riff that's going to be a little bit different to make sure that it's fresh. And it's easy to do that when I'm playing music. It's a little bit harder in an interview sometimes. So I always now am aware of those things. And I'm kind of like, all right, let's answer this question differently so that it feels real. And, it, you know, it feels like the real Mike or in your case, it feels like the real Kelly. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you've had that sort of like awareness because I know it's it doesn't take much to get carried away. And so like you really, especially if you have a, a bunch of people around you that are saying how amazing you are or whatever, like it's, you have to kind of really remember, not that people tell me I'm amazing all the time. I'm not saying that. It's just like, I've seen it. I've seen it with other artists too, where it's like a battle to make sure you stay authentic to yourself. Because if you don't, the crowd is going to see right through you. Like it's, it's an, it's crazy how they can cut through. That's why I think Billie Eilish is doing so well because she legit, I think is, even though she's 18, she's who she is and she doesn't apologize for it. And that's why people are just like, yeah, I, I dig her. I think it's the same for some of the, like Lizzo too. And like Megan the Stallion and like all these yeah. people that are kind of coming up. Yeah. That's, that's what it's all about um you know sam smith before he blew up was the same singer that he is now like he's just an incredibly talented gifted vocalist and he had no success and he was writing all these really great pop songs and they were super fun and catchy and he at one point just said you know what forget it like i'm not even going to do the music thing anymore like i'm just going to start writing for me and and that's that you know like i don't care anymore and that's when he blew up because he started writing these kind of sad very meaningful songs and that's just who sam is as you were saying you know billy is who she is as long as you're you you're gonna do great hanging out with us on the show is uh, recording artist and musician mike ruby you can grab all of his social media handles from his website mikeruby.com and you can also of course just follow him at mike ruby music on social media um, I wanted to ask you too, like when we spoke last year, we talked about how you, you know, you'd been in the band uh, for a while and now you've had this year of, of you being you. I'm just wondering, are there days where you miss being a member of a band and not having all the pressure on your shoulders? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. Not, not really. Like, 
I kind of, I kind of have been enjoying this ride and I like being thrown into situations that are a little bit tricky. I guess, you know, you can call me an artist really enjoying the, the highest highs and the lowest lows, but I really do love the roller coaster ride. And like you said, it's a lot of pressure for sure. And, and, you know, there are a lot more pieces in motion and there's a whole team behind you. And these are things that I, I'm not used to, but I've definitely been loving it, uh, like every minute of it. And yeah, the, the stress is just kind of part of it. And you, you know, you try to create more than, uh, than manage, I guess. With regards to the EP that's coming, you wrote these songs. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the songs you chose to put on it, why you called it that, and was there particular thought in how you sequenced it? Even though I know in these days people could just click on what song they want and go back and forth and back and forth, but I always still feel like there's sequencing, or or I should say sequencing is still important for a lot of people. So your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so you know, the album actually came about um, organically. Uh, and, and I actually didn't realize that, that I was going to make an album. Uh, I was just writing for other artists, uh, a few years ago. And, you know, I, through the, the process, I think I had written something like a thousand songs in five years. I just kind of tried to write a song a day. Um, and there were a few songs in there that were so personal that I just wrote for me. And I, you know, I played them of course for a couple friends and the friends were like, Hey, you know, these are, these are really personal. And I feel like you should put these out as an artist. And that's actually what got the wheels spinning. So then I thought to myself, okay, you know, I actually do have two or three songs that are very me. Let me try to write a couple more. And um, there's also, you know, the, the reason that I put them in the order that they're in and also called the EP you wrote these songs is because there, there really is a story behind the entire EP kind of from the first track, to the last track. So the whole EP is, is about, dealing with your past and taking the skeletons out of the closet and moving on. And so, you know, the first song is about an ex. And then the second song is a different sentiment about that ex. The third song is about finally getting over that person. Fourth song is about meeting somebody new, but still being unsure. Fifth song is about dealing with like a, a real tragic loss, which I had uh, in high school when I lost my father. And then the last track is about finally moving on. And, you know, it's called You Wrote These Songs because each song is about somebody really important in my life. And so I kind of wanted it to be like a cathartic experience for everybody because I feel like when you do break it down to the core, uh, everybody kind of has those people in their lives that they can hear these songs and go, this song reminds me of that person. That's awesome. That's really good. I love that. That's, uh, that's deep. Deep, Mike. I like it. Very good. <laughs> I really like that, especially yeah. it makes so much sense with the title now. Like it just, it means so much more than I thought it did by just reading the title. You know what I mean? Like, it's good. It's good. You get my... Oh, thank you. I, I've had people uh, be like, well, yeah, Mike, you did write these songs. <laughs> well, what's your point? <laughs> no, it's very good. It's I like that. I wrote these songs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about... So the, the album I know, or the EP is on, on its way, but I'm, I'm imagining you're already off to the races thinking about maybe a full-length album or, or what's next, because I just... I'm assuming that maybe this has been kind of done for a little while, and now you just want to start moving on to the next thing i'm su i'm assuming at some point soon a hundred percent yeah I'm, I'm already conceptualizing the second album i already have a few songs for it um you know i don't know if they're the finished product yet but the song's definitely there and i'm gonna write a bunch more for it and um i don't want to say too much just because it's not fully conceptualized yet but i'm really excited about it i'm kind of gonna bring my past uh, a little bit more into the music 
and, uh, you know, just kind of include some more instrumental stuff, but it's still going to be kind of that anthemic pop type of music, uh, just with, uh, with maybe a little bit more kind of musicality and risk than, than this first EP. And I wanted your thoughts on touring because everything is obviously completely up in the air at, at this time, but I know that a lot of countries are trying to get themselves back together with how they're doing things. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, how anxious are you to get back out on stage? Do you think things will be different? Or I, I don't really think they're going to be different for long. Like, I think maybe a year, and then it's just going to go back. Isn't it crazy, though, that we're saying that a year isn't long? Like, it's yeah. going to be, like, oh. <laughs> it's such a different climate now. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, the first year will will be kind of like who's going to come to the show, or at least the first few months anyways. Uh, it's going to be tough to get people out. Um, but I am itching to get back on stage. It's been, I guess, like three or four months now. And, you know, I've done a bunch of live um, feeds and it's just not, it's not the same. Yeah. You know, you're kind of, you're feeding off of like people writing messages, but you're performing alone in a room and there's really nothing like that crowd engagement. And, you know, it's like you're talking about earlier. I think it's actually the most important part of the show. So definitely itching to get back and we're already starting to make some tour plans uh, for 2021. I just, it's hard to know whether or not they'll come to fruition at this point. Well, I'm sure it's weird because I, I'm, I know that you're in Toronto, I'm in Montreal and I've already started to see things that I didn't expect to come back this quickly kind of thing. Like I just, I feel like people are almost thinking that those three months were a bad nightmare and they're just behaving like they were before. So I don't know how long these measures will actually last unless there's that second wave and then things clamp down again. But I'm sure you've noticed that in Toronto because it's just, it's a mess, Mike. It's, it's a mess. So It's a mess. I, you know, I was living in Los Angeles uh, this year and, you know, I moved back to Toronto in, in March, just because uh, there's no COVID health insurance for a Canadian like me right now in LA. And um, the Toronto cases have been, the last week anyways, they've been more under control. I think it's under 300 cases for the last like four or five days now in Ontario, which is really, really good um, because it was over 600 or around 600 for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in LA right now, there's a huge, huge spike happening. And, you know, this might be because of, you know, the protests. It might be because of um, stage two and things starting to open up uh, or a combination. But, you know, I'm hoping to get back there as soon as I can. I still actually have all my stuff there. Um, But it just, it doesn't seem realistic right now. Yeah. And I want you to stay safe. Do you think, though, L.A. is going to be the place where you end up most of the time? Or will you continue to bounce back and forth between there and Toronto? Definitely bounce back. Okay. Uh, you know, Toronto's always home. Toronto will always feel like home. And I love just Canada in general. Uh, I love our morals and our ethics and, you know, the way that we want our country and our free health care. I mean, there's just so many perks to being Canadian. And, you know, when people ask me what I am, even though I've spent so much time in the U.S. and, and lived and went to school in New York, I still always say Canadian. And even if I become a U.S. citizen in the future, it'll always be Canadian. Perfect. I love that. And last question before I let you bounce. I wanted to ask you again with this like learning curve you've been on, uh, you know, being like the lead artist now and, and all that sort of stuff. What do you know now that you wish you had known a few years ago? Oh, God. <laughs> you don't want to be in that, do you? <laughs> Is there a big one? Is there a big one? Um, you know, I can't even think of one thing. Um, there's so many things. I think experience is so important. I I think working with the right team is is definitely the most important factor. 
um, and, you know, just having people that, that support what you believe in and making sure that the people align with your goals. And, you know, if you, if you assemble the right team behind your vision, I really think that anything can happen. That's perfect. Mike, I enjoy you. Thank you so much for spending time with us. I enjoy you, Kelly. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. And a big shout out to our guests, Tones and I and Mike Ruby. My thanks as well going out to our producer, Adam Brisson, for being amazing. And of course, you can listen to us on all the different podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles. You can do that by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.